0: Welcome to CII Podcasts. We have with us uh, Ankur Variku, the author and internet entrepreneur and I can go on talking about Ankur but you know I think what we're going to hear through this conversation uh, are are, you know we're going to try and tap into your mind uh, Ankur and try and uh, see how you would you know envision uh, the India you know if you really came out of a dream one day you know what's that dream India you'd like to see and let's see how best we can you know, articulate that in words and you know, give a vision to people, you know, as they hear this conversation, uh, you know, between the two of us. Of course, idea is to see how we can really talk about something that's going to be significantly important for a country like India if we are to unlock our true potential and, you know, position ourselves, uh, you know, as global leaders of the future is is our leadership, right? How do we really shape the leaders of tomorrow? Um, I mean, in our country, we have a great, you know, demographic dividend. We talk about our youth. We talk about one in ten people in the world being an Indian under the age of 25, and you know, all of them are going to be key drivers of the global economy and everything else that the world is going to see 25 years from today. So, really, how do we shape leadership? You know, if we'll try and keep that as a as a core theme, but of course. Uh, As I said, this is a a freewheeling chat and would love to, you know, get some aspects of uh, how we could, you know, look at the future together, the government and all stakeholders of society deeply engaged uh, in not only celebrating what we have achieved, but also, uh, you know, really taking proactive, um, you know, calls on what we can do. Uh, to accelerate ourselves towards realizing the aspirational vision, uh, you know, of uh, 1.4 billion people <laughs> in this country, uh, the Azadi amrut Mahotsav is one uh, opportunity for us to not only reflect on our achievements but also, you know, address some of these core challenges and really see how. Opportunities can be created, you know, even uh, over the short term. Also, how do we get more people to participate in nation building? How do we make this a very collaborative effort? You know, CII has championed this agenda uh, for the past 15 years, ever since India turned 60. Um, you know, and and I think what we see today over the you know over this 15-year journey is a reflection of some of the you know, catalytic kind of initiatives that industry, government, multiple stakeholders coming together have been able to take, uh, to position ourselves to where we are. You know, there is a crazy challenging time going around us, but I think somewhere in India, you know, we are holding our own and we are seeing how we can march into the future, you know, far deeper, far stronger than uh, many other countries, you know, uh, that where they are today. So I think in that light, uh, you know, would love to uh, see how we can uh, you know uh, propel ourselves into the future but maybe the best place uh, you know for us to start one of the businesses we are in is you know, gaming and esports, and we see how Gen Zs are thinking, and what the way they approach, you know, life, and 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 how they are, you know, going to shape their own future, and in the process, of future of our country. So, you know, a, probably a great way to start is is how do you see the difference, you know, in the youth uh, today compared to, you know, the earlier generation, and 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 what could be some of the, you know, key things that we should look out for as we move.
1: Sure. Firstly, thank you for having me, Rajan. It's a pleasure to be on stage with you and uh, having this particular conversation, which is uh, so dear to my heart because a fair bit of my time goes in speaking to the youth of the country, uh, trying to understand their motivations, their uh, drivers, their inspirations. And, and it's fascinating uh, as you rightly started with the question of how distinct they are from the era that you and I belong to. Uh, i remember growing up in india in the 1980s uh, was uh, w- was a time where, where things used to come not as per your demand but as per when they wanted to or when they could and and there was uh, not by choice but by design uh, this long gestation period or waiting time to get everything in life whether it was something as fundamental as, as a milk or a, a telephone line or a, or a phone connection a, a scooter a watch or anything uh, and today's generation is is literally on demand and they want the best books, the, the best movies, the, the best uh, cabs, uh, anything that they want is, is literally at the click of a button at the speed of thought. What I also found that's, that's happened because of the wonderful time that the country has gone through in the last two or three decades is the sheer audacity or the courage that the youth has uh, in terms of how they want to live uh, their life. We come from a very risk-averse background where becoming an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer we're we're just, that's pretty much it. If you decided anything outside of that you were taking a mega risk in your life and most certainly that risk was not to pan out for you as successfully as you would want it to. But today, almost on a single daily basis I, I find so many people who are questioning whether these are the traditional lines that they should even follow. They are thinking of completely new ways of Imagining their career. They're also very well aware that their career is no longer a 40-year commitment uh, instead is is a five to ten year sprint that they undertake and it's quite likely that every five to ten years They will be coming up with another career another career another career and if I were to summarize the the youth of today and the, the leaders of tomorrow in, in three mega trends one would certainly be the courage with which they approach things the willingness to take risk and understand risk not because they are risk-loving and thus impractical or very flimsy in their approach it's because they understand risk and they are able to mitigate that to the best of their effort which is incredible i also find that the youth of this country is very quickly becoming location agnostic there is nothing that binds them to a certain location with the advent of internet and the global borders opening up in such a way in the last two years and giving people a feel of what it is to be located wherever you want to and still serve a global market uh, has opened the i think the imagination and and again the courage of how they pursue things. So I know of people who are sitting in what we call Bharat or tier two, tier three India uh, and still delivering the highest quality work that we thought would only come from the top five, ten cities of this country, but is no longer limited to, to just that geographic sphere. And I think that's going to happen more and more in the future. It's not the cities that will experience necessarily the best growth. It's going to be a lot more inclusive geographically, and and the youth of the country understands that and appreciates that. And the third is that they are reimagining education and thus skilling. As I said, they're clearly looking at education as something which is continuous and not one time. They know that the importance of college is not as much as it used to be in the past. And it's just one stepping stone to what would be a 5 to 10-year path. And after that, they have to reskill themselves. And that journey of reskilling continues to happen. It's incredible how many young people between 18 to 24-year-olds that I come across who have uh, multiple income streams already, who wish to have that by design they have a job but they're also freelancing, they're also interning, they're also studying online somewhere, they're also on some projects, some apprenticeship, whatever it is, and they know that that is by design how they want to live life. They don't want to settle on just one thing, instead keep exploring what is there to offer. So when you combine these three things, I am super excited about what the next 20-30 years are going to be because you're sitting on the best demographic dividend that the country has. We have the highest population of youth in the world right now. They are going to not be limited by their geography, their ability to even step out of where they were irrespective of the circumstances, irrespective of the education. And they are on a daily basis consuming success stories that are making them even more and more audacious and courageous in their ambition. Uh, And I think that's a potent mix. So uh, as as was said that no one can stop an idea when it's time has come. Uh, And I think that the time has come again.
0: No, I think it's very, very exciting and, you know, very well put, you know, the three attributes that that you kind of outline. But you know, all of them, right? Courage, risk, location, agnostic, and being, uh, you know, lifelong learner, actually lend itself exceedingly well to entrepreneurship. <laughs> you know, I think all of these are qualities that entrepreneurs need, especially global entrepreneurs, you know, today, because you need to hire the best talent, you need to solve problems for the world. You know, historically, we've always believed that, you know, we use um, a mechanism to solve challenges in India and use that frugal innovation to do a lot more globally. But, you know, today we have an opportunity to do that across the world nearly at the same time because, you know, of course, of all the qualities that you rightly said and the right skills, you know, that that can go and build up and, you know, entrepreneurs also um, uh, in a way, you know, create a lot of employment, you know, address the ability to build new skills and things like that so you know when it comes to our uh, startup ecosystem and young people are so excited by that by that by that word how how do you assess the startup ecosystem today you know in india and you know the way you're looking at it how how is that um, you know playing out in, in in your mind as you interact more with young people
1: so So I became an entrepreneur in 2009 when becoming an entrepreneur was nearly not as cool as it is today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back then, if you became an entrepreneur, it most likely meant that you didn't get a job out of college or something, (laughs) but today it's fashionable. And then there are so many, like it's become prime time conversation. However, I believe that we are a country of entrepreneurs and I've always been. So the big difference has been that of scale. You literally have to go not beyond your immediate network of your family to have someone who owns a shop, is self-employed in some way, has what is called a business or a dhanda. When you have close to 60% of the population engaged in in farming in some shape and form, not all of that is, is labor. There are enough and more independent farmers. They just have small pockets of land, but they are making their own things work. And that, one can argue theoretically, is being an entrepreneur, is essentially not being dependent on a monthly salary that someone else is cutting you. Instead, making your own income, your own expense, and hopefully your own profit. The big difference, I believe, that's happened in the last several decades is the scale with which we are imagining that. Earlier, self-employment was me, had best two, three people, a lot more of family members it's a closely guarded it's a privately held proprietorship but now you'll see more and more llps more and more private limited companies a lot more funding happening at the venture capital level the seed level the private equity level and that just essentially means that the same business idea of whether it is a a restaurant that used to take orders over the phone but now does it fancily through an app Or a laundry guy who used to come to your doorstep, collect your clothes and give them back iron, now has it through an app. The fundamentals of business remain the same. It's just the execution and the mode that's different. And, And that just means technology is going to play a huge part. Thankfully, we have a very young population where almost every young individual is so comfortable with technology, that's the only way they think as against our generation, which was not born into technology and had to move towards technology. And that was a cultural and a generational shift in our mindset. These people are are born into it. So it's natural, it's default for them. Number two is they've seen how big things can be. So they're not limited by what their parents did. They're not limited by what their relatives have told them. They are dreaming big and they know that They can go and raise money they can run bootstrap businesses and yet make a lot of money they're reading about these success stories in the news and the media and so on and i am fundamentally very bullish about the startup community i feel that we are going to have a very different trajectory than the largest economies in the world which were largely manufacturing-led we are going to be a services-led economy and we're going to be a entrepreneurial or an entrepreneurship-led economy where jobs and economic strength will be created within domestically, will be consumed largely domestically, so the strength of the domestic consumer is very high, but will also be made for the entire world because it is not physical in nature. It can travel boundaries seamlessly and instantaneously. So I think the make in India, sell in India story is already robust and has been the biggest reason why our economy has also been in some way shielded from the global ups and downs of economic vagaries. But I think the make in India, sell outside of India story is equally propelling and is going to be massive in the next 20, 30 years. Uh, I also, with uh, with a little bit of, of course, uh, sensitivity attached to it, believe that technologies such as blockchain are going to disrupt the way that we reimagine most things in the world as they happen today. And I'm not necessarily centered on crypto as such because that's just one part of that, but fundamentally the concept of decentralization and not having a central authority governing everything but it being spread out lends itself so well to how we can become the center of blockchain development for the world. We can become the center of intellectual capital for the world in this domain not just blockchain but technology in general so I am very bullish Rajan on the startup ecosystem taking us to a five or ten trillion dollar economy route which we've already set ourselves on and I won't be surprised it after 20-25 years when in some shape and form we are revisiting this conversation uh, it turns out that a large share of the GDP contribution has come from companies that are starting today or are going to start in the next decade i think i think that is a certainty <laughs> if one were to uh, to see and it's not
0: only india you know ankur it's a global trend right if you go and see the top 10 companies today versus even 10 years ago 15 years ago you know at least the potential of a of a great economic enterprise or you know the ability to disrupt especially with technologies like blockchain or so many others. We've seen AI and so many other emerging technologies always get, uh, you know, uh, You know a kind of a a a value proposition that is disruptively you know different from even traditional ways of doing things so i think that that will be a given but it'll be very interesting to see where the winners are what is it that really makes that happen right and and you know you have had a great career right you you've done you know you've been an entrepreneur and now you've become an author right and and i think you know is, is that a way for you to influence young minds better to share your experiences you know and we also live in this this age of you know d- digital media you know social uh, impact right? like little, little things that you know can just reach anywhere in the world so fast you know and in a way there is also a power attached to that right I think yeah. you know to be able to you know put this collective together and you know uh, use it to build A inclusive roadmap for a country like India. A country like India cannot consider itself successful in 2047 if we have not really taken pretty much every Indian along, you know, and been able to do that, right? So, you know, I I think one way, yes, we help people derive, get better livelihoods and, and income, you know, by creating more entrepreneurs, creating greater economic you know a uh, kind of activity uh, and technology will definitely drive that but on the other side how do we then get this whole um, a media and collective approach to uh, to help shape you know the future of of of, of india so uh, how do we leverage this potential to its to its um, you know optimal level and and is is writing just the beginning of other things you want to do uh, in 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 the in the media or you know in that kind of space
1: yeah so, I, I, uh, I've i been deeply impacted and in a positive manner, Rajan, by the, the teachers that I had in my life. And I was extremely lucky and fortunate to have the right set of guidance very early on, uh, whether it was through my parents, whether it was through my school, uh, college, thereafter, wonderful friends, mentors who have guided me through the journey. And i made a lot of mistakes. So, despite all the high-quality talent that was around me, I still ended up making a lot of mistakes. And, uh, and that just makes me committed to the ideology that teachers can actually impact a lot, especially when you think about the youth. But the definition and the image that we have of teaching in the country uh, has remained more or less the same, which is you know, this one lady or, or gentleman coming in, teaching, going through a course in a fixed set curriculum, maybe not even passionate about it, just doing it because it's their employment. And it's, it's funny, uh, the other day someone was telling me that, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really scared of maths and, and I wanna do an MBA. And and I found myself saying, it's, it's really tragic if somebody ends up saying, I'm scared of a subject. You may not like it and that's totally okay. But being scared of a subject is really unfortunate. And that does mean that at some point of time someone failed to sensitize you to the fact that this is just something that you may or may not like but there's nothing to be scared about it and it's just a temperament and i've loved teaching all all my growing up years i think i've been a good one at that so after running startups for for a decade plus uh, when i stepped down as the ceo of my previous startup and i decided to figure out what i wanted to do next uh, it, it just intuitively came to me that I should think something around teaching. I didn't know exactly what. And as luck would have it, which has been a a, a defining part of my life, um, Covid happened, uh, everyone was locked up, there was no movement as such. And, And I said, why don't I just start sharing whatever I know online? And a lot of people ask me, hey, what happened in the last two years that education in general has just exploded online? Where was this demand before it like what happened to the students and i'm like no it's not the students it's actually the quality of teachers because the best quality of teachers were just busy doing something else but now with nothing more to do they started creating content and sharing it online so the demand always existed it was the quality of supply that went through the roof in the last two years and that has now sensitized people to the fact that if you are genuinely good with whatever is it that you know, which could be a small microcosm of the larger world, you still can get a audience that is across the world. Just by the strength of digital, the internet, and of course, your own expertise in delivery. So I love this journey. And I would love to undertake this journey for as far as it is. And I really feel that the youth is super smart. To pick and choose where they learn from and what they learn and to what extent. And they are going to use this to the hilt. And as long as we have such platforms, such initiatives, such policies that facilitate digital learning and make it like any other thing, uh, I feel we're setting ourselves up for massive success. But you
0: know, I think even to unlock the true potential of this, Ankur, as we've been discussing, you know, I think innovation has to be a word, you know, uh, that is 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 a verb, right? Everybody is innovating, you know, especially in a country like India and with young people. I think you know, even the the evolution of you know multitasking and the way one can you know, do things is is changing and, you know, happening at a very rapid pace. So, you know, how do we build this culture, right? And when you think of India and you think of the future and you think of innovation, right? What what do you think we should be doing today, right? To, to ensure that this culture or we're innovating in the right direction?
1: So, I think innovation has been in the country for a long time. We just call it Jogar because uh, it it sounds cooler and it just lends itself to a wonderful story. Uh, Our ability to move around and find solutions to what is the problem is, uh, is very unique and it has served us immensely well. What hasn't happened is for it to be structured enough so that it can become a process and thus a way of thinking. And I believe that is where the focus lies. So the DNA of the country is to be that jugard seeking country, make things work, do it scrappy, but it needs to now be legitimized. And that I believe is going to happen through a combination of one education. There has to be stress during school and college around how your unique ideas and how your ability to have this Jugaad in your mindset translates into a way of thinking Uh, and I believe that that will happen through interdisciplinary education which already has become part of the education scheme that was released. I'm so happy with that because you can't be a science student and then be taught Jugaad because Jugaad is not what scientists do. They have to be clinical in their experiments. And if you are an art student, you will never know what the joy of experimentation and hypothesis building is while you will understand that the world is gray and zero and one and a continuum. So it's, it's wonderful that all of that will get mixed. So that's education. I also believe that a wave of experience that the youth will get, not starting up, but working in startups is going to make them more and more robust in their education in their innovation mindset you learn a lot of course when you run a business but you learn a lot even while you are in the business and observing it and which is very different from a corporate setup a large giant where you are just one brick in the wall one spoke in the large wheel uh, here you are a meaningful contributor and I. I see such a huge difference between people who work in startups and people who pick up a corporate job, not to dismiss any, but just to come up with the comparison in the way that they think from an innovation perspective. So that's number two. And number three, I think what's also going to happen is we will see failure being acknowledged and hopefully at some point celebrated. Failing is not the end. And we all know that because we have lived life enough to see it. But early on for people in their twenties, in their late teens, failing seems like the end. It just feels like life's over. I didn't clear that exam. I didn't clear that interview. I didn't clear that job. And that's it. Khatam. And I feel when you'll have more and more people talking about failure, talking about how they came out of that failure, how they still made it. It is just going to make people at ease. It's going to liberate them in some way, make them feel a lot less anxious, uh, a lot more confident of their decisions. So education, experience and failure being story told in the form of learning, uh, I believe will, will set the country up for an innovation led mindset as against just a obedience-led mindset that we may have had in the past.
0: Yeah, I think challenging the status quo is probably the source of all innovation in any case, right? Yeah. So, I think, and, and you know, the, the, the role that media, government, stakeholders can play in, in celebrating failure, like right? we talk of the Silicon Valley mindset coming to India, you know it comes in pockets of excellence right but somewhere whose responsibility is it right <laughs> to accept failure or to to make it happen I mean when you think of it how how you know sometimes it's easier said than done right Uncle? you know I think we all we all say it but you know when it comes to you know one one oneself accepting failure then convincing and there are others who who see your failure as a learning and a stepping stone to do more but how do Change that mindset. I mean, I it's, it's 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 a very important thing for us to change. I completely agree, you know, but when we go into education, we go into class, you know, the ones who are the bottom of the class, we start saying, oh, you're not smart enough, you know. So right from day one, you know, we are putting people into this mold of competition and we're looking good, whether you are good or not is so important, you know, and then suddenly we say now we should as a society accept failure, right? So and you're involved with education, you're shaping the future of that. What will what you do differently <laughs> to make I, this
1: happen? Anyway. You know, the, the, the beauty about uh, failure, Rajan, and I've thought actively about it, is you don't need to hear everyone's failure to find comfort. You just need to hear one story to find comfort. And in 1.4 billion people, you will always have enough and more failure stories that are coming out you really don't need to create this movement that says oh everyone's to share their failures and lets everyone go through that experience you just need enough and more to to make that happen which i believe is already happening when when people come out and talk about their mental health, when people come out and talk about the fact that they didn't score as much in their school or in their college. When people come and talk about their failures of uh, getting fired from a job or getting laid off from a job and still making it, when people come out of their stories of uh, taking a break and, and struggling to find a start to their career all over again. All of this just gives confidence. And uh, and I and I think that, that is what is is required. Comparison will never go away. I don't think the youth will ever get to a point where it'll be like, oh, mujafarakni partaki, mere dost ke kitne number aaya jab tak mere acche number aaya. we're never going to get to that point. That's just human psychology. That's just how the human mind is structured. We compare because that has served us for millions of years. But I think the comparison can either lead to a paralysis of action, or it could lead to challenging the status quo, and I believe you just need one failure story to use that comparison to challenge the status quo. When you're just saying, hey, if that person could do it, and I feel inferior in some comparison set to the other person, I am now going to make sure I win. and I think I have an example that I can use to draw courage from.
0: Yeah, no, and I think the peer group, you know, also getting to appreciate that, right, becomes an important thing. While you say, you know, we, uh, I completely agree with you, one will not stop comparing, but you know, you at least want to be able to respect people. You know, with that till you start celebrating the ones with failure. I think it's a journey, right? It will, it won't just happen from, you know, it's not a switch, which will happen from one to the other, but you know, it's a, again, it's, it's a, it's a change in mindset. And that's why, you know, you see Silicon Valley, right? When people have failed in entrepreneurial opportunities, you know, we, you, you, you find them getting funded for the first time. They being actually celebrated, uh, you know, uh, as, as, as entrepreneurs. Uh, especially when they achieve success, because you don't know how many failures it's going to reach to get to that. I think that culture, you know, what you rightly said, uh, is not a switch. It's not going to be something one can force. But if once we once we do that, and I think today's young generation, Uncle, you would probably know better, you know, as you're closer to them. But even when I see my daughters and I see, you know, so many other young people, you know, they they are so much more open to. Uh, uh you know challenges to these kinds of subjects they appreciate uh, a lot more than probably you know the first question we started off uh, you know how is the youth of today different uh, from the earlier earlier times because once we're able to identify that difference and those strengths you know then i think you know whether it's policy whether it's you know industry whether it's all of us as stakeholders can then play you know a, a very positive role in shaping that you know in in a particular manner but you know talking of leadership and you know uh how young people are going to you know lead uh, at at the at the front what what do you think that you know and and this is a question i'm going to ask you uh, to more about uh, from a government perspective right uh you know how do we really unlock the power of our youth right i mean what what can be something that you know uh, a central government, a state, you know, a, a, a city-based municipal corporation or like an Ampanchayat in a village, you know, can do, you know, to to encourage and unlock the two power of this this youth demographic dividend that we, you know, talk of, right? Is there something that you think we can do? Um, you know, any thoughts? You no,
1: know, I, I, I genuinely believe that it can happen and it needs to happen. Um, in my opinion, there are three parts to it. One is curriculum, second is community, and the third is is feedback. Um, I'll I'll go through each one. Uh, Curriculum, for the longest time, has been the domain of of the government. They have set what should be studied at what grade should be studied and so on. I do believe that the government can focus its energy now on decentralizing uh, education. And what I mean by that is, while you define the contours of what needs to be taught at a school level or a college level, broaden this out, think about skills that help people get ahead in life, whether they are academic or life skills, and then allow people to come and crowdsource what should be the content while you act as the curator of quality, not the creator of the content. That decentralizes this to the first level because now you have the world wanting to help you. You don't have to help yourselves as such. There are enough and more people who can teach biology better than most biology teachers in this country, but they don't teach it professionally. They love to do it as a passion. And we can always get them and so many other such examples to democratize education and make that accessible to anybody who has a smartphone and an internet connection. And that should be in my opinion down at the municipal level all the way to the central government the ambition when it comes to the education plan or the curriculum second is community unfortunately we have always been geographically bound while when you look at the youth today and yours is a great example like when when kids game they are no longer gaming individually their gaming is part of a community and that is then displayed on how they are creating connections on platforms such as Discord or coming up with their own network where they perhaps don't even know each other and yet they're learning from each other because that's what they thrive in. So if you can facilitate communities which are not geographic, I don't want to be limited to my own village school class. I want to be exposed to the entire world and I can because I have something to offer, then the facilitation of that is necessary. Today, unfortunately, most of the networks that the youth are part of are for either entertainment or for education, but they are not domestic, they are not national players, and they are not orchestrated to make that community happen. They just navigate their way through and make it happen. But most people just get lost in the way. If we can genuinely make that happen, then that would be a terrific way for people to learn irrespective of where they are. And third is feedback, which is let them do some concrete work, whether it is a platform for projects, a platform for internships, a platform for opportunities at a student level, and then give them high quality feedback on how they are doing, because that feedback will then help them reassess what they need to skill themselves on, go back to the first step of curriculum, become part of a community to make that happen, and then come back to that feedback loop again. All of this will ultimately get them absolutely skilled and not wait for a job to happen. They will know that they can create their own jobs and and that is where they will need to exercise uh, a lot more control. I. I understand that the government's job seems to be creating more jobs but I do believe at some point of time it has to shift to how can people create their own jobs as against waiting for jobs to happen in the economy.
0: Yeah, no, I think and this is a very good virtuous cycle, right, that you say because after the feedback you go back to curriculum and that new curriculum will create an extension of an existing community but keep some of the broad-based concepts of that community whether it's the values whether it's many other things that get built over time intact as well you know and i think that's again a big big way to you know to see what you want to retain and what needs to change uh you know uh, while what you rightly pointed out in the beginning that you know it's no longer a career for a lifetime but it's probably a lifetime of careers you know run in sprints rather than one marathon and how does the youth prepare you know itself to uh, to be able to you know take full advantage of the opportunity that is there and probably preparation is what then creates the opportunity too so it's all kind of tied in but but no that's a great point and i think uh, a holistic thinking like this across policy making is probably something that is required both across ministries but also you know as we look at you know state and even village panchayats because the opportunities and the skills required uh, in those areas or specific areas would be distinctly different from you know maybe some other geographic areas while you do have certain sets of capabilities that could be you know, of course, generically relevant, but, uh, but, you know, I think, I think been great conversation and, you know, I don't know how 45 minutes have gone by, uncle. but, you know, this last section, i to spend the next few minutes really talking about, um, you know, uh, the vision, right? I mean, you know, when you wake up, you know, uh, how do you uh, see the dream of an India when you uh, look at, you know, a vision for a, uh, Inclusive India, what are you seeing? And uh,
1: what's your dream, uh, you know, uh, for, for India? I, I have an audacious one and, and that is that anybody in this country with a smartphone and internet connection sits on the exact same opportunities that students of the best institutions sit on. And that is my dream. That is my vision. And uh, I don't think it is impossible. I do think it will take a lot of effort, perhaps time, but if we set our goals on that, then that would be the first step in my direction.
0: No, oh, I think I think creating that opportunity democratized through technology, <laughs> and and you know uh, inherently building uh, the the ability to learn throughout one's life are I think very key messages that you know. Uh, you brought out that i think not only are your dream but are probably your reality today right and you're working and putting your whole effort you know uh, to to make that happen so i think if you succeed over the next 25 years in this the country will <laughs> so let, let's see how we can get more to to your army and more you know people to to align to this uh, thought process particularly people of our generation and i think this could be you know our way of telling the next generation you know we're leaving a better india a better world for you uh, than you know what we inherited and i think that's that's probably one you know powerful purpose that people like us can have you know as we as we move on this journey but ankur it's been such a pleasure chatting with you and covering these different aspects and getting to know you better but one thing i'll i'll uh you know, I'm going to take you on. Is that I'm going to, you know, find ways to have you more engaged, you know, in some of these uh, initiatives as we continue to move uh, forward uh, towards, you know, India 800. As a Honorable Prime Minister, I have to say the Amrit Kal for India is just beginning. You know, it's it's the, the Soni ki Chirya that India was. How do we bring that 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 same India back, you know, to the fore? In the world, and I think all of us need to play our own little small role, you know, to to making that happen. But uh, on that note, uh, once again, thank you, and it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and uh, look forward to engaging further as we move ahead.
1: Thank you, thank and you so much for having me, Rajan. Thank you for facilitating that, and uh, happy to contribute in any manner that I can. Uh, this is a passionate project for me, so I'm happy that someone attention as as rightfully as yours is on it and if i can be of any help more than help look forward thank you so much thank you for listening to cii podcasts